Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 79, Earthy and Silky. What I've said about the Thousand Cuts has nothing specifically to do with Corinne, Jessica said. What I'm saying is that when two people get together, they have edges, and these edges are exciting, dangerous, erotic, arousing, but sometimes hard to keep alive day in and day out. It's hard to find people who know how to live with their partner being part unknown and risk losing them or feeling like you can't trust them to be there if you look away for a moment and face it, you want to look away. You've got a job, a career, other interests, so you try to make yourself feel comfortable by wearing your partner's edges down. The edges get worn down until you're nice and comfortable with them, but then no more excitement. Okay, I said. I trailed off so she would know I was sort of getting her point, but also sort of not getting her point. Okay, okay, the stuff about getting comfortable with each other, old shoes, I got that. But I was here to talk about me and Cammie and my bell-ringing sexness. You know, the ecstasy thing. I'm just saying someone comes into your life who still has those edges and they make you feel attractive again. Not like the other person who's been worn down. This new girl finds you exciting and she makes you feel exciting. What I'm thinking is this can be, well, let me put it this way. Can you see yourself being with this girl if Corinne were out of the picture? Mmm, yeah, I guess. What do you mean by with her? What would you see yourself being or doing if Corinne were out of the picture? She asked. It doesn't have to be with Cameron. Think about it. If someone knew where to walk into your life and ring that bell the way this woman is doing now, would you know better than to wear her edges down? If she began to wear yours down, would you know how to stop her from doing that? Would you want to? Or is it more important to be comfortable? That was a lot for me to think about. So we kind of left it there. I still haven't really answered it. Like I said about a zillion chapters ago, all I knew from Cammie was that I wanted more than comfort, something other than comfort. It was, it was a cord going from my dick to my brain and drowning out the noisy world, the whiny world. But I hadn't thought about wearing her edges down or anything. I guess it all made sense, but if it was true, I had no idea how to keep from fucking it up the way it was fucked up with Corinne. Mmm, Cammie said. I just got out of the tub, and I'm getting on the bed with my little duck that makes me come. It was a vibrator in the shape of a duck. I guess that's cute. She sent a picture of it to my phone, but see, I don't have a clitoris, and I'm not one of those guys who uses vibrators on his big bullshy man shaft. So I gave it a glance and deleted it. I was in Arvo's office, yeah. The legendary office with the sticky surfaces. I decided to be a man and put on some gloves and go in and plop myself down behind his desk after locking the door behind me. That's where I was when I dialed up the cock-raising camster. Thought you were going to be in the tub, 
I said. Me too. But then I got nervous about having the cell phone near the water. Yeah, you don't want to electrocute yourself. She gig chuckled. Oh, dumbass. She said. I can't electrocute myself from a cell battery. I can definitely fuck up the phone by dropping it in water, though. She pronounced the B in dumbass again. Dumb. Bass. Knowing she had an idiotic flaw gave me confidence. I almost told her about it. I almost said, it's dumbass. Dumbass. But then I remembered my conversation with Jessica. Don't mock her like a sibling, I thought. Then I thought, isn't she doing that to me by calling me a dumbass? Oh, well, she's a kid and I'm a more mature man who just had a conversation with his therapist that afternoon. So, she said when we got done talking about her cell phone and her bathtub, her voice was soft and leering. She gig chuckled. I just sat there. I was pretty sure I was supposed to start, but before I could, she said, So, how do you picture me? I had it in my head that I should get around to talking about the silky earthiness of her cunt and how much I love to taste earthy silk. But right that second, how did I picture her? Okay, baby, I said, you know where you are, huh? You're kneeling on the floor with my dick in your face. Oh. She said. Then what? You open Mrs. Tongue Slurpit, and I put in Jimmy Jam Slammer. I started to gig cackle, but sudden mortification squelched that sound, making it more of a hiccup. She pretended not to notice. Oh, she said. Nothing like daddy's thick, veiny cock for dinner. I really liked that kind of talk, and she kept at it, rhythmically. I was leaning back into my libido when it dawned on me that the conversation had taken a wrong turn. She wasn't supposed to be doing me. I was supposed to prove what an agile clit ninja I was by doing her. I was supposed to reclaim the advantage as the sex maestro. The advantage Cammy had taken from me by proving with her text she was the Shakespeare of swollen cock. So I had to interrupt and tell her because, you know, I'm a gentleman. She was really sweet about it. And she said something I don't remember, but that made me think I got points in her head just for being there to make her orgasm. And she already had a plan to make herself pop. I want you to be my daddy, she started. A recurring theme. She had this plan to bring herself off by having me pretend I was her old man come up to pound her little mound before bedtime. Mommy downstairs doesn't know daddy licks little Cammy's clit whenever he gets a chance. Time to say your prayers, Daddy. Oh, she had it all mapped out. Hey, it's not my fantasy, but look, if you're going to imagine eating your underage daughter, she may as well be a 33 or 34-year-old actress you met just a month ago. And boys, I really went with it. Just as Daddy was going down on his little girl, I remembered the whole earthy, silky cunt thing. Daddy loves breathing in his baby's earthy cunt, I said. I couldn't believe how nuts she went for that. Oh, Jesus. She sort of shrieked. 
I made an inhaling sound. I'm just going to nestle here and breathe it in before the tip of my tongue takes its first taste of his baby's silky cunt. She went nuts for that, too. First, she started gulping really fast like she might be choking on a button. And I could hear the little duck vibrator making the electric vibrator sound that I always think is a toy car. And then she went into, oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. At first, I thought she was putting me on. I mean, earthy and silky. It was part nuttiness. And that was the magic? It just didn't seem plausible. But no, it was real. She started moaning, and then she murmured something that sounded like, Oh, bod. It was the real deal. The duck. The daddy thing. The earthy, silky cunt. Every element had conspired to make Cammy Blower cunt load. Point. Polly. I wasn't what you would call sexually gratified, but I had something far more important. I had reclaimed the advantage. Suddenly, I felt really good about my modeling career, my weight, my dick, my ability to get a chick off. I felt taller, calmer, manlier. My only regret was calling Admiral Ballsy Jimmy Jam Slammer, and I made him a quiet promise never to do that again. Then me and Cammy said goodbye, and I walked out of the bar and took a stroll around the McGraw Hill building in Radio City. It was maybe 10.30 or so and really dark in the rest of the Northeast, but Midtown Manhattan was a perpetual explosion of light the way Midtown Manhattan always is. And it was filled with tourists in protective swarms. I looked one or two in the face and gave them my bemused New Yorker look. Then I went back to the bar and did the mature voice for the rest of the night. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side. Copyright 2021 by Dan Wrench.